From Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, we are in winter. We are having our episode 223. Well, it's That's, getting to a spring now, isn't it? Like It feels know, like August. spring in Sydney. It's, August. it's warm. Well, I missed, I missed a lot of the winter because of yeah, being yeah, away. Yeah, we know, we know. Still can, I, can I just You're ask, still let's move on, Troy, let's <laughs> move on. Was, has it been a cold winter in Sydney? Very. It has. Yeah, let's move on. Right. So Tom's <laughs> been sunning himself in Nick and I. <laughs> Troy and I have been shivering here in downtown Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, East Coast Australia. And you say, was it was it cold here? Tom, I, was, I must I was admit, on the beach at Nick I, and I. I felt warmer by just looking at your Instagram feed of you doing another update or Sunday night rant on the Sun Lounger with your hat on. Good to have you back, Tommy. We <laughs> too back. We too be back. Good. Okay, so um, we didn't finish all the questions last week, so. Uh, what I'd like to do is maybe do two or three questions today. The first one is an auction question, and Troy, who is one of the great McGrath auctions. How many auctions are you doing, Troy, at the moment? Three to five? Yeah, it's a little bit quieter given it's winter, but yeah, the, the what's, market's... What's it, been, what's it been like, you know, during the, the last month or so? Has bidding been stronger than before? Mm. Yeah, it has. And Tom, this is the thing that I've noticed. Sydney bidding's been a lot better. Hasn't Sydney's bidding's been a lot. Melbourne. And Melbourne. Um, what I have noticed, a lot more neighbours are watching. Right. right. So kind of mid this year, March, April, there wasn't as many people just looking at auctions. Now there's a lot more activity around the community coming out of their front doors and coming to watching auctions generally. And that's not just my auctions, that's other auctions that I go and watch no, in between auctions. It you. could be just me as well. No, but our <laughs> Melbourne guys have done 80 to 85% last three weekends in a row. Yeah. Um, and I think Sydney's been up around 70 to 75. Yeah, it so, has. Yep. Um, yeah, it's been, there's definitely been an uplift you know, post, post the, the election result, which surprised everyone on the positive. Well, well certainly surprised the financial part of this country on the positive. I know, I know, John, you're not a person that likes to get too attached to what the market is doing and more focused on what you're doing. Mm. I would like to get your view. You've, you've had a pretty, you've been pretty accurate over the years of sort of roughly saying this is where we are on the clock, right? Yeah. What, what are you seeing July through to December? So you look at me, and, and I know there might be Perth listeners and Darwin listeners, and they, they will have, they're in a different cycle. But generally speaking, most parts of Australia had a good five, six year run. And we saw prices increase from 25 to 75%, probably in most of those markets, the big city markets and, and a lot of the regionals. And the market probably gave back the last year or two of that in the last bit. We've seen, the worst we've seen has probably been 28% drop in, in values. Um, and some markets we've seen kind of almost steady as she goes three, four, five 5% down. I think the markets in May, and I'll talk about Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane mainly here, because that's where most of our listeners are from. I think it's found its bottom. I think it's steadied now. I think the low interest rates are interesting. It's a double-edged sword because on one hand, it makes it cheaper to borrow. On the other hand, Reserve Bank is kind of getting ready for perhaps a slightly turbulent financial period. You know, Reserve Bank doesn't go down there and reduce, reduce, reduce interest rates unless they have some concern about the economy um, you know, running out of puff. So right. I think it's, and but you know, having said that, Australia is quite robust, and you know, we've China, America, especially America, just hit highs in the stock market this week. Australia hit highs mm. in the stock market this week. So I think, on the surface, things are good. And if I was a buyer, I'd be not waiting any longer. I don't think prices are going to get cheaper. And if I was a seller, I'd say, well, I think it's a fairly stable environment. So. 
it is one of those times where I don't think right now it's massively in the favour of a buyer or a seller. It's probably a good time to get moving again, which is why, Troy, people are coming out. I think they're, they're not waiting for the market to keep going up. They're not scared about the market keep going down. I think they're now saying it's, it's back to usual, business yeah. as usual. Now, this question is, uh, I'm going to read out the question and then I'm going to add uh, part B of that question because it's one that gets asked a lot of times um, to me. Um, and that is, do I believe that every property should be an auction property? Mm-hmm. Um, but the question that's come in from the listener is, how would you take a property to auction in a non-auction market? In our marketplace, historically, local sellers have distanced themselves from auction. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it depends, and that might be the last sentence that defined it, what is a non-auction market? Um, there are non-auction offices, there are non-auction areas, there are non-auction periods of time. I mean, a lot of vendors don't want to auction if they see the market is hurtling south mm. because they, they just don't see the likelihood of there being competition for their property. Um, and some areas um, are a little bit reticent to do auction because just culturally it's not it. My view is, first thing is, if you want to do an auction, you've got to make sure that you are expert at the process. So go, you don't trial people with auctions. You need to go, an auction is a, is a master. It's like being a black belt at something. You have, to, you have to know how to manage it. You have to know how to build it up to a crescendo. You have to know the right pricing structure, all those sort of things. So I think you, you need to make sure you're very good at it. Um, to your first question, Tom, which dovetails in there, do I think, no, I don't think... It, there's one method of sale for any anything in the country that's going to fit everyone and everything because it won't fit every property and it won't fit every vendor. So I think you've got to look at it and understand where the vendor's emotional psyche is at. You've got to understand where the market's at. For me, when I was selling, 90% of my properties were auction. Right. Um, so clearly it worked in most of the markets I was in. But that was also over many cycles. But I just found that was, was, John, the areas that you were working, was, were you the only one that had that sort of proportion? No, no, but some of the areas I was, I was the dominant auction agent and many agents were private treaty. Remember, Neil Genman, you know, back in the 80s, I think it was, Neil was very strong on private treaty and mm. there was a real growing, you know, grassroots, a lot of agents were, were private treaty in the areas I was at and yet you go to Double Bay or Paddington Willara, that's been, certainly as long as I've been in business, strong auction markets. So I think that I definitely broke the mould in some areas and I would just sit down and explain to the people. Firstly, understand what are their goals. Most people, it's I'd like to get the most amount of money in the next 60 days. Okay, well, it's clear. Um, what, what are your feelings about the different method? And I always say to people, how do you feel about how have you contemplated? And some people say, well, I reckon it's auction, isn't it? Which is kind of easy if I agree, it's easy. Yeah. Other people say, well, I don't feel comfortable with auction. And I'd say when I was selling in the early days anyway, a lot of people said that because it was a little bit novel. And I would just say, talk me through what is your concern? And they'll say, well, I had a bad experience at auction. Uh, The next door neighbor didn't get any bids. And if you generally, Troy, follow the breadcrumbs of why a failed auction failed, it's probably not the auction, it's something else. It's typically price. I'll often go and relist an auction and, and... Someone will say, well, you know, I expected to get a million plus. The agent told me one to 1.1. I passed it in at 900. And I said, okay, so what would you take today? They say, well, high eights, early nines. Mm. 
And that was probably what it was all worth from the get-go. So the auction actually didn't fail. The agent pumped up the price and the vendor's expectations were too high. Yep. And that was the issue, not the auction. So I try and identify what it is. Or other times, Troy, as you've seen, someone under-marketed it. Yep. You know, they put a $3,000 marketing program against a property that should have had a $13,000 marketing program. Mm-hmm. And... And that's an interesting conversation because often I'll say that and people say, look, I've already spent, you know, 5000 And I'll say, with due respect, I think you should have spent fifteen, And you may not want to spend any more, but if you want to get it sold for the most amount of money in the next 60 days, you need to reinvest. You need to reinvest in it. Yeah. And eight out of ten, I'll walk out with an agency agreement because you just talk them through it. And there's initial, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to spend any more money. And then you just keep saying, well... You do want to get the most amount of money in the next 60 days. If this remains unsold for another six months, you're going to be going down again. So I think um, master the craft of, of auction, um, upskill, and there are courses. I don't know if you do it in real estate, Jim, Tom, but there's, there's, there certainly would be some good training available around. There's one thing for sure. I notice a good auction agent, when I'm doing an auction and I get there, an agent that has mastered the craft will say, Tom, it's going to happen. Yep. I've got a buyer here that is around 1-1 one, one, and I've got a vendor here that's probably going to take that. Then when you go to a, a client that you've never really done work before that has never really done auctions, you'll notice I'll say things like this. Tom, I've got no idea. Everyone's kept their, their, mm. you know, their, their cards to their chest. you know. And then what happens, 10 minutes later, you realise you've got buyers that want to pay 900 and you've got a vendor that yep. wants 1.1 or 1.2. Well, a lot of the times, buyers don't show up and now they'll be ringing around, getting on the phone one minute before the auction. Oh, they said they'd be here, you know? So they, they haven't got, um, they haven't mastered the art yeah. of actually having trust with people on the grand final day. Yeah. Asking the right questions. I think two things. It really depends on the property as well, the property type. Like if it's a cookie cutter, so you same think same. certain properties, well, even on the suburb, the property affects whether it should go. I, or I think to a certain extent, if you're selling a carbon copy of the one that sold two weeks ago down the road, yeah. it's and there's four on the market, and there's four same. on the market that are same or similar configuration. So, you, so Troy, you think units are less prone or? Mm, no. I don't think you can say that anymore because there's varieties of yeah. units. But I think that you need to take that into consideration, right? Because if you just going with the view of being auction, you may be missing out on the opportunity of what's the right intention for the client and the right intention for the property. The right intention is to get the property sold for a premium price in the next 60 days, right? This is the strategy that we believe works and these are the reasons why. This is why I'm recommending it. The second part of it is, even when good agents know that they've only got maybe one person that's interested in property at auction, they've still got a a focus and they're calm about the situation because they know the play before it happens. So I think, I, I think of agents like Cindy Kennedy, one of our great agents within McGrath, and every single auction that I walk in with Cindy, I know exactly what the play is going to be, actually the day before. She's got it all sorted. Everything's done. All sorted. Everything's prepared. And you're right, Tom, you have your mind at ease because you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, okay, I know they're going to start off the bidding because Cindy's told me that. X, Y, Z, this is going to happen. I actually think it happens well and truly before the auction even commences. Auction day is not the day yeah. for the magician auctioneer to come in and sell a property well over reserve. It actually happens right at the start of the campaign around expectations. What are the expectations of the client and how are you setting them up? Because if you're underquoting, if you're underselling the marketing budget, well, that's going to affect the result. If you're pumping up the price, that's going to affect the result. So what are you doing throughout the campaign to not only let the vendors know exactly what the market's saying, the market feedback, 
And then second of all, how are you working with the buyers to justify the value that you have presented to the vendor? It comes down to the frequency of communication. You said building trust and rapport, it comes down to frequency of communication. And both buyers and sellers. And the, the questions you're asking. Because some agents, oh, are you interested? Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Oh, okay, good, well, I'll see you there. So where, where do you see the value? You know, where's your cutoff point? At what level do you want me to not call you if I get an offer? Now, by the way, did you know that we had a vendor recently listed with us and their specific request no, it was mandated that Tom Panos had to do the auction. Yeah, I did hear that. Did you know about that? That was in my area as well, John. Oh, uh, yes, anyway. Stephen Bertrand. <laughs> Stephen Bertrand. And, and, and he said, what do you think? I said, awesome. Yep, I said, yeah. you've got the best auctioneer in town. So yeah. that was, but what a wonderful thing is, I'll list Second. with you, Stefan, but Tom Panos has to be the auctioneer. Yeah. Very nice. Did you say that one, Tommy? I, I don't it hasn't happened yet. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Well, it's, it's one, upcoming. One, one thing's for sure, I'm going to try and do a better job than <laughs> um, John McGrath came to Haberfield to do an auction. I'll never forget it. Haberfield, right. Haberfield came to a standstill, you know. Michael Tringali made a big deal about it, even though it wasn't his property. It was uh, Braden Walters' property yeah, at the time. Yeah, 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 but it did sell. It, it did sold. Sell. I think for half a million, so well. half yeah, a million so well. um, over, over reserve. Well, I know? picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything I said, worse. what's the hottest auction we've got this month? They said, oh, this one I have before. I said, great, pencil me in. <laughs> Out of retirement, into that. What's the next question? We've got time for another <laughs> yeah, one, we have, we have uh, yeah, yeah, we have. Still got time. Uh, I'm a young agent and I'm starting out. I would like to know the best way to keep chasing when every contact is cold and I'm facing multiple rejections. I have a morning routine, I have affirmations, I'm doing meditation, I'm going to the gym, I'm eating healthy, I'm staying on top of all the souls in my area, I'm knowing the numbers, I'm role playing, but when it comes to door knocking, my mind deceives my heart and I wanna give up before I've even started. What are your thoughts on how I can break the feeling and shift my mindset? So all the positive there that whoever this is is doing a lot of the right stuff, right? Yeah. So that's great. They're building a terrific foundation, but it does sound like one of the most important elements of the foundation, which is your mindset and your ability to deal with rejection, yeah. um, is a bit of a, a blockage. So the first thing, I love the awareness, the fact they're sending that question in. So the, the awareness, you're right, you have to be able to deal with rejection, you have to reposition it in your mind as, as actually a positive step toward your next successes. and and you know, we've heard that at many, many different courses, but it's true, you can't take it personally or it will destroy you in this industry, for sure. So I think they have a good awareness about that. Look, is door knocking the best thing for them to do? I would have thought within their, I'm assuming they're working in a real estate office with other agents and a principal, there is probably better activities what would I do? I would find a way to open a few properties this weekend. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can go to REA, you can put it, you have an expired listing or, or an open listing that one of your colleagues has got, put a time in there for this weekend, put an A-frame board out on the street, go out and open it for two or three hours and just hang there at the property and you will meet people in the community that are probably much better candidates for you to talk to than door knocks. Because yeah. door knock, I mean, what's the chance you're going to find the needle in the haystack? I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying there are I think there are better ways to access a better quality potential customers. Yeah. So I think that um, I would find ways to open property. I'd work with other agents in your office. I'd say, Tom, I'll work with that with you for nothing. Yeah. As long as if we get some leads, can I chase them with you? Yeah. Um, because again, your best best way to, to get your next business is being involved with some mm. current business. The, the thing that I always think of, Tom, is what are they trying to achieve for the door knock? Yeah. You know, they need to probably shift their mindset from this is going to be my next listing tactical 
to strategic. This is a value add. I'm going to get some valuable information. I'm going to be able to serve this client. I'm going to be able to give them more information in the future. Right? Because a lot of people think door knock, transactional, phone call prospecting, oh, that's going to be a listing. That's going to be an appraisal. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Yeah. All you're doing is to putting deposits in the bank yeah. for them to eventually, that law of attraction, come back to you or you send out the right thing at the right time that actually gets their attention. It's funny you say that, Troy, because even though I loved a lot of the positive stuff this person was talking about, I sensed a level of commission breath in yeah, the question. and that's why I went yeah. that tactical strategy. So you're right. So, the, so get rid of the commission breath. Um, play the long game. And yes, you have to pay your bills, but you know, just get rid of the, uh, the neediness. Um, how can I add value? Mm. So every conversation, everyone you speak to is a buyer, a seller, a tenant or a landlord, every single person. Yep. So you can add value. If anyone has any interest or any questions about real estate, no matter who you are, you can add value to everyone you speak to. So how can I add value? Reverse, God, I need a listing and the door knocking, it's petrifying. There was a sense of fear in it. So it feels like they're doing the right things, you know, gym, meditation, goal setting, affirmation, that's all great. But it feels that beneath that, there might be a bit of lacking or a bit of fear. Mm -hmm. So I would work on getting rid of the fear play the long game, um, how can you add value, how can you be, as Jeff Jowell talks about, how can I be of service? Yeah. And just follow the process. And, and, and can you work with another agent or two in your office off the back of that? I mean, hopefully there's someone in your office that's in momentum. Mm. Those people probably need a hand that opens this Saturday. They might have some expired listings that they're at the risk of losing and they haven't got time to service them because they've got another six listings at this end. So, you know, can you take those on? Can you open them this Saturday? Can you go and meet the vendor and see if you can reprice it, even if just to practice the conversation? So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get in the battlefield, get in the trenches. I'd, I'd, if you're scared of uh, door knocking, push it to the side for the minute and, and just do some other stuff. Yeah, I, I, and, and have that as one of 10 strategies, right? Yeah, Troy, I, I concur with what you guys have said. I can't help it. When I've read out this question as you've been answering it again, it sounds like it's a person that doesn't like door knocking. And um, my, my advice would be never do things you hate, right? Like, and there's this term, you know, if you worry about the process, the process will come. Well, you've got to like the process. So sometimes you've got to actually find a method that suits your personality, you don't dread it, you enjoy it, it makes you happy, it energizes you. And I think one of the things that you've basically said, John, you've outlined four or five other methods that this person might find actually achieve the same result and not have this dreaded feeling that you've got to feel guilty um, and that you've got to feel better about you know this cold calling um, door knocking. And by the way, there are real estate agents, I know Matt Steinwade was one that used door knocking as his methodology. Kylie Charlton did a great way Kylie of building, building so momentum in her market. I'm not saying don't do it, no. I'm just saying if you're petrified from it today and you can't get over that, find ways, because no yeah. one, well I don't think anyone's petrified doing an open home. Most people love open homes, they get to meet people and they can put themselves on show for the, for the day. So try and do something if you can't get over that hump. The other thing I wrote down here, Tommy, as you were saying that, and I agree with everything you and Troy said, detach yourself from the outcome. Mm. It, door knock, not worried about, oh God, are they going to let me in? Are they going to be nice for me? Just, just say, okay, I'm going to door knock 50 homes today. Yeah. Whether any of them let me in or are pleasant or want to sell, doesn't matter. My process is I'm going to door knock 50 homes. If they are, I'm going to take them a brochure yeah. and say, look, my colleague from the office has just listed this home 
as a community service, I just want to let you know what's happening in the market. We're expecting about eight to eight fifty thousand. We'd love you to come along on the weekend. Is there anything else we can do to help you? No, great. Thank you for. And you just move on. You keep yeah. it simple. Don't don't kind of go in there thinking, oh God, I hope this one's going to be a seller, and what am mm. I going to say yeah. if they mm. are, and am I going to win it? Don't go too far ahead. Just say 50, 50 doors a day. Yeah, you know, which you might, you know, maybe there's going to be twenty people at home. Talk what? to them, offer them something, add value. Add value. Don't, well, don't say, Kylie, are you thinking of selling? Just say, could I let you know what we've just listed? I think Kylie mentioned on stage at Eric that she had a strategy of one street a week yeah. in the BDA that she operates. Like, that's an easy approach. Go on door knock, add value. That's the biggest thing. Always add value. Yeah, I love that. Because if you're adding value, then there's a reason for them not to tell you to go away. Yeah, They'll be like, oh, that's it. interesting. Can I keep that? And I, I don't like, you know, the more I think about it, I don't like it when I hear an agent, and this is not what this uh, uh, listener has said, but I hear agents sometimes say, Oh, it's probably going to not lead to anything. I think when you've got this approach that you're only doing things when they're going to lead mm. to something, it really affects the way that you do. I think that is that is commission breath. Commission breath is mm-hmm. when you actually think, oh, it's not going to lead. To What's anything. in it for me? I just yeah. think that you just be the same person to all the people all the time, and things seem to work out. Yeah, exactly, Tommy. And, and the statistics will tell us that if the 100 doors you knock, six of them are selling in the next 12 months. So will it lead to something? I don't know. I'm not sure if I'll get the right six, but turn it into a game. You know, like I'm going to knock 100 doors today and the chances are if I get 100 people, six of them are going to be selling. So if I hand out 100 brochures, six of them are going to be, I've got to try and guess which one. Make it into a gamification um, and take the pressure off yourself. So anyway, hopefully that helped. But I love, I love the fact, great kudos to the fact they're doing all the things right. Get rid of the commission breath, calm down a bit, take a deep breath, and do a few activities that you love. Oh, take, take, take that aside. This this is uh, the perfect. I mean, it reminds me of the book, uh, the more the Miracle Morning by um, I think Hal L, L Halrod, I think um, that wrote yeah. the book. He's doing meditation, Jim. Before we finish off, I've got to share this acronym. I read it this morning from that guy who wrote the Morning Miracle. It's called Savers, Life Savers. Savers. S is for silence. So starting the morning with a bit of quiet meditation, mm-hmm. prayer if you're religious. A, affirmations. Mm-hmm. V, visualization. Mm. E, exercise. R, reading, reading something positive. And S, Scribing, journaling. Journaling. Yeah, so well, basically, said this this morning ritual of this uh, savers has been the reason. Like they say, the way you start your day is the way your day unfolds. And I think that's a beautiful. If you got up an hour early and did that. I got to tell you, you're going to be on the right track. That's a really good one. All right. Till next then, week. Till next week. Um, hope you're enjoying. It's the tail end to uh, to winter. We're about to hit spring. Um, we look forward to bringing you episode 224. See you, everybody. See you, guys.